fills in. All right, praise God. So we're talking about Jonah, and uh, just a, a, a word today, I think, of not only encouragement, but maybe challenge on this whole message. Uh, this sermon series is challenging me. Hopefully, it'll be challenging you just to be uh, a person that the Lord can work through, that becomes that type of person that we can we can understand. Hey, maybe God's maybe God's doing something here. Maybe God's doing something in us and through us, and maybe sometimes even in spite of us. Okay, so stand with me if you will. We're going to read out of Jonah, the first chapter. We're going to read four, five, and six. Uh, we read this verse last week, and we'll start with it this week. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Uh, but the mar then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? I like that part, that sleeper. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God, the God will give you a thought to us that we may not perish. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the incredible worship. We thank you, Lord, for uh, Lord, just how you handle situations. And we pray today, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. Lord, your love is alive. We thank you for, Lord, the victory. We thank you, Lord, for this Valentine's weekend. But, Lord, that we know you love us and you give us grace and mercy. And we pray, Lord, today that we'd open our hearts to hear everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And so, Jonah here, and we're in week three of this, and we still haven't gotten past the sixth verse. Jonah is just a piece of work. And I, I, I say it for two reasons. One, and I'll reiterate it. One, because this is a really cute Bible story for children's ministry or Sunday school, but it's so much deeper and more profound than that. And then our second grandchild, his name is Jonah, and he's such a, a, a small, mighty man of God, compassionate, and loves Jesus so much and, and cares that it's hard for me to say, don't be a Jonah, when the Jonah in our life is just a really sweet, cool little kid. But we have to be careful that this Jonah just doesn't become uh, someone who's swallowed by a whale and spit out and runs and, and preaches, it's much, much, much more than that. It's much, much, much deeper than that. I need you to grab a hold of it today because if we can grab what God's trying to teach us and what God's trying to tell us, it will change your world and rock your life. It just, it will totally change everything that you're about. So I'm going to kind of go through the scripture a little bit. I got a couple possible illustrations I want to show you because I think it's important for us to, to really understand and to grab a hold of that we're, we're reading about Jonah, which took place quite a few hundred years before Jesus came on this earth, but I want to make it applicable to the 21st century, okay? And so we see here, this, this first thing is so crazy because God tells Jonah, go down to Nineveh and preach that they need to repent or I'm going to annihilate them, and Jonah gets up and runs the wrong way. We know that. We've talked about that. We've seen that. But he, he, he's running from pagans in Nineveh that he doesn't want anything to do with, but he ends up with on a boat full of pagans anyways. And so quite often, some of the things that we run from, okay, some of the things that we don't want any part of are the very things that God is, wants us to run to. 
too. Like we want to try to stay away from people groups. We want to try to stay away from different things. And yet that's where God needs his light to shine. Can you say amen? It's important for us to understand that because if we don't, we start to isolate ourselves. We put ourselves on an island. And I don't think Christ's followers should be on an island. I think they should be intermixing with people day in and day out so that their light can shine, so that they can show the fullness of Christ. I think Christians should be the happiest people there are. I think you should be full of love. You should be full of joy. You should be full of life and full of happiness. So yeah, you might have a down day. You might even have a down season where things aren't going quite the way you should, but you should still find joy in that suffering. In fact, that's what Jesus tells us. That's what Paul tells us. That's what Peter tells us. There's got to be joy in that suffering that we have because through that, we find out who we are and we find out how faithful God is. Amen? And so we run sometimes from things that God, we run from the things that God wants us to run too. I'll give you an example. Janie and I, most of you know, we met in high school. I was a senior. She was a sophomore. And we started, we started dating. And the only way I could date her is if I went to church with her. That was her father who was a pastor, and that was his church growth program. You had three daughters. If you're going to date them, you got to come to church. And so I, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't an easy choice for me. However, I was born and raised Roman Catholic. I'm the youngest of eight. I went to a parochial Catholic grade school through the eighth grade, and I was, I was a very devout Catholic. I went to confession once a month. I took communion every service. I never missed a mass. I went, every weekend I went to mass, either Saturday night or, or Sunday morning, and I was, I was faithful. But I would go to church because I wanted to date Janie, okay? And so uh, as we got more serious, and, and it looked like, it, this wasn't a passing fancy for each of us. Janie's father said, you're not, like, not going to date Mark anymore. He, he's, he's too Catholic for us. In fact, in fact, he said I would never get saved because I was too Catholic. Okay, and so Janie said, well, you can't, that's like that, you can't say that because if you say he can't get saved, that goes against everything that you preach, Dad, because everybody can get saved, not him. He's too Catholic. You know, he is not, not going to get saved. I tell you that. And she said, well, I'm going to pray, and you're going to see that he's going to give his heart to the Lord. And sure enough, God's word will not return void, right? And so I would go to church. I'd hear the word, and she would pray. And all of a sudden, after you know, eight or nine, ten months, I gave my heart to the Lord. Well, it, it, during that, that time, that incubation time, he didn't want, he said, I don't want a, I don't want a Catholic son-in-law. I don't want Catholic grandkids. I don't want her, her grandfather, who was a man I grew to love in, in our early marriage. I mean, he didn't like me because I was Catholic. It was like they're the, they're the anti-Christian. They're the anti-Christ. They're they're the they're the whore in Revelations uh, and it's just all these things. Like man, I, I would love God. <laughs> How could I be that bad if I love God, right? And so it, it was it was all these things, and it was, it was it was hilarious because what what God was showing him by introducing this Catholic boy to their home was he was opening a door because about five years uh, after our relationship started, uh, we got married after a couple years, and then uh, 15 or 18 months later, we started having children. And so five years down the road uh, to my father-in-law's church started coming all these Catholic young families our age. There, was, there were 20 or 25, maybe even 30 families. There was probably, because all, you know, uh, listen, you, don't, you know this, but Catholic 
usually have large families. So you get these Catholic young people who are used to having four and five and six kids, and the church was filling up with 20-somethings, and we're having Bible study on Friday night, and we're just, in fact, one guy was smoking dope. That's what we called it back in the 70s. He was smoking dope and, and, and leading people to the Lord and inviting them to church. Now, I'm not suggesting that as an evangelical plan. Don't, like, don't, like, hey, pastor said, here, smoke some weed, invite him to church. That's not what I'm saying. But that's what this guy was doing, and it was working. And they would come to church, they would surrender their life to the Lord, and because of this Catholic background, they were diving into the Word of God, they were diving into ministry, there, there's pastors and deacons and, and evangelists and missionaries, and all that come that came out of this church, and the church literally doubled in size population-wise and physical-wise because they added on. And I think what God was doing where my father-in-law and he, he and I are like best friends, so it's, it's nothing I hold against him, where he was pushing me away, God was putting me in his path because he knew four or five years down the road he had these 20 or 30 Catholic families that were going to come in and give their life to the Lord and they were going to rock his church. And listen, if you're not careful, you are pushing away the very thing that God's trying to introduce you to. God wants to get people in your life that will rock your world and change. It's like, oh, man, I don't know if, if this is God or not. Chances are it is. If they are a living, breathing vessel, God wants you in their life so he can show his love through you to them. And, and it, it's, it's, and who would have thought 40 years later that we would be pastoring and, and leading one of the greatest churches in all of America because you guys are, and over 90,000 people have come to know Jesus Christ worldwide because of this ministry, because of you, and because of the things that God is doing through you. So listen, he knew that way back when. And, and it was funny because we couldn't see, although we would find ways of dating, you know. Like, she, like Janie got pulled out of school. This is how serious her father was. She, like, she didn't come back from semester break. And like, Dad doesn't want me to go to school. How come? Is the school bad for you? No, you are. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't want me around you. Wow. Like, that's a, that's a blow to the ego, right? And so, hear me, though, but God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing, and he knew that all these young families had to be mentored and discipled, but he kind of had a practice on me, and it was tough practice because he's a, he's a tough individual, and he, and he would like, you're not going to marry a Catholic. You're not going to have Catholic. I'm not going to have Catholic grandbabies, and that guy's never going to get saved. Well, I love Jesus more than anything. He, he's my Lord and Savior. He's my soon king. So hear me, church. First of all, never say never. Amen. Never say never, and don't ever, ever doubt the words of a praying person that loves, that loves God and knows that God can move. God, you can move the hand of God. God will hear your prayers. Amen. Give it up for Jesus one more time because he's worthy. Praise God. So I'm going to give you three things really quickly today that hopefully will help you as far as what Jonah didn't do right, what he should have, and, what, and some of the things that maybe we walk through in life. And, and the first one, the number one is this, he didn't seek the common good. 
There's a, there's a problem in our culture of sometimes Christians not seeking the common good. Jonah didn't seek the common good. Jonah went downstairs in the ship, and he started to go asleep. And when the other guys were all worried and nervous and, like, they, didn't, they, they couldn't get it done, and why are you down here, oh, sleeper? In fact, the scripture in this word, sleeper, is not the same as when Jesus was sleeping on the boat. When Jesus was sleeping on the boat, he had peace. He had Jehovah Shalom. He had peace. And God will give you peace through the storm that you go through in your life. That's what Jesus does. He is peace, okay? Here, though, Jonah's running, so he's a sluggard. He's, he's slothful. He, he's, just, he's the person that, is, that just, he, he shouldn't be, he should be doing his part. Let me give you an example for a second. Uh, Joel, can you come up here for a second? You're always my good illust- one of my good illustrations. And you, you stand right here. And Ben, I know you're a note taker, but can you come here for a second? Because for illustration purposes, I need you. Because you're about the same size as Joel. Do you see the similarities? Right? Yeah. Go ahead and, like, buff it out for a second. Yeah. Perfect, man. You wimp, you. And so, 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 like, Ben's rowing the boat. He's doing everything he can to keep the boat afloat. This guy, he's down below taking a nap. Like, he wants him to do all the work. Like, like, it doesn't make sense, right? Jonah's down below, or Joel, 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 Jonah, Joel, Joel, JJ, 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 JJ's down below, and he's just trying to escape reality, and sometimes we get that way. Sometimes we just want to get away. I just, I can't face it anymore, but see, this is the thing, if you're not careful, that this is the trick of the enemy. He wants you to withdraw, and God wants you to press through. He wants you to press in, and if we're not careful, so let me bring it to the 21st century for just a second because I got a pet peeve that I got to get get off my chest. This guy here, this guy named Ben, he's come from a different country, and we're not sure how he got into the country, but he works, and because he works, his, his company pays taxes on what he makes. Are you with me? And he's got a job that this guy doesn't want. In other words, he's willing to work in an industry. He's willing to work for somebody that, like, because this guy, he's looking big and strong and and muscular. Not that you're not. Not Not that you're not. This guy would just rather live off the system. This guy would rather just move in with mama and have everybody pay his check and pay his bills. And he works harder getting out of work than he does working, okay? We want to ship this guy back, but he's taking a job. Not that this guy could have, but this guy doesn't want. I'll tell you who we should ship back. Are you with me? Now, that's very political, but hear me, hear me this. This is the, what Jonah was going through. This guy was doing all the work. Jonah had all the power from God. He had all the authority from God. And sometimes, church, we don't use what we have because we want somebody else to do the heavy lifting. That's wrong. That's not right. We should, be pick, we should all take up our fair share. And listen, if you want to join a prayer team or if you want to join a ministry team, we say it every week. But listen, we have to, especially if we're able and we're fit, we have to stop letting the system take care of us. We have to get out and start taking jobs that maybe nobody else wants. And if you do, God will bless you supremely. If, if Jonah wouldn't have got on the boat, that boat would have been okay. He was the only one that could have saved that boat. And this, this is true. The church is alive today to help people know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And if the church doesn't do its work, shame on the church. We might as well close the doors. Give these guys a hand of appreciation. Thanks, guys. Now, 
Joel's really not a Jonah. Joel's a Joel, and Joel has a good job, and he works. And so thank you, Joel. I didn't mean to act like you were less than, just for illustration purposes, you know. And Ben, you're not small. You're mighty in the kingdom. Okay, so you got to be careful. Not that they would get offended, but, you know, I talked about it this morning, and somebody got offended. I had to hear about it for five minutes afterwards. But it was only five minutes. That's okay. So listen, we got we to gotta seek the common good. Are you with me? And what is the common good? The common good is if we're always allowing somebody else to do the work, why are we criticizing the work they're doing if we're not willing to do the work ourselves? That's the common good. It's, it's pretty simple. It's not rocket science. I'm not a deep thinker. This is not rocket science. This is simply stepping back and saying, wow, that's not right. Like this guy is going to live off the system, and we're going we're gonna to pay him, and he's going to cheat everybody and their, and their brother and their mother and their wife, and this guy is going to come to America and just work and really try to find a house and apartment and all that, and we're going to ship this guy somewhere? My vote is to ship this guy somewhere really, really, really far away. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve the pleasantries of a first world country. That's just my, that's just, I know, you, you can say, pastor is really, yes, at that point, pastor is really, I fell, I fell to give you that point today. So number two, we need to recognize common grace. So we go from common good to common grace. What is the common grace? Well, the, the, the sailor, sailors, the pagans, they wanted to row harder. They wanted to get things going. They wanted to make, make sure it worked. The captain is like, hey, man, you need to start praying to your God. They were okay with whatever God they prayed to. Just pray to your God. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, it's okay to pray to Allah or it's prayed, you know, prayed to, to be Hindu or Buddhist. I, I'm saying I believe there's one God, okay? and it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's only through Jesus Christ that you can be saved. I think we get that, but here's my point. There's a common grace. The Bible says that God will make it to rain on the just and the unjust, okay? That there's situations in our life that if we're, if we're careful, then we walk through and we can see God working, that sometimes people who are not Christ followers sometimes act more like Christ followers than the non-Christ, than, than the person who follows Christ. It's like, why are they, why do that, why do they get it? And, and, and Christ followers don't. We were, I give this illustration last uh, summer. I'm going to give it again very quickly because some of you are new or maybe you weren't here that particular day. I worked for a company a long time ago when I was 21 years old. Janie was pregnant with our very first child. And uh, we were, I was working, she was, she was working at an insurance company and I was working for this company that made radiators, repaired radiators, and then made uh, airplane parts. It's a very successful company, and my job was to drive the owner around to different uh, times in the morning to, to uh, have him check on the companies, okay? And so I'd get a brand new uh, 4x4 pickup in Omaha, Nebraska, and I'd have it warmed up ready for him in the cold winters. I'd have it cooled down ready for him in the hot summers, and he'd get in. And I was a new person in Christ, and a very religious, traditional background, so I wanted to grow every day in my walk. So I would listen to uh, Jerry Falwell uh, at like 
8 o'clock, and I would listen to R.W. Schambach at 8.30, and that was my time for taking uh, Daniel Langfeld Sr. around to the companies that he owned. He was a, a Jewish person, an uh, Orthodox Jew, so he didn't, of course, he didn't believe in Jesus. When he got in the, the truck, and R.W. Schambach is, is preaching, because he's a big tent preacher, and preaching hellfire and brimstone, and I would turn it down, and, and uh, Daniel Langfeld, would, he kind of looked like George Burns. He was a smallish guy, had round glasses, and he always had a big cigar in his mouth. And he said, what do you listen to there, Mark? I said, well, it's, it's R.W. Schambach, Mr. L. And he said, I said, would you like me to turn the channel? Would you like me to shut it off? No, no, this is your truck. You go ahead and listen to whatever you want. Well, it wasn't. It was his truck. He owned the truck. He owned the company. But there's a common grace there that people will give. And so God owns cattle on a thousand hills, but he does give us the pleasure of tending to those cattle. He gives us the pleasure of tending to those things. And so his son uh, was second in line for the company. And when I started there, he had a he had open heart surgery. And to make a long story short, he had to walk at the noontime. Well, there's some great walking areas in Omaha, and one of them is called the Old Market. It's a really cool area of neat restaurants, uh, uh, really cool uh, places to shop, and it's old warehouses that they've converted from way back in the 1800s. And so we were walking, and uh, his, his son invited me on a walk because he had to get his heart back in shape. And on Fridays at Town Square uh, in the middle of the old market, there would be street preachers. Everybody ever encounter a street preacher? Well, these two ladies were actually on soapboxes yelling across at each other on how everybody was going to go to hell if they didn't, you know, listen to the word, if they didn't obey the word. And listen, theologically, they were correct, but their delivery was so horrendous, okay? It was like they're just damning people to hell, and you dirty, rat, nasty sinner, give your life to Jesus. Like, you can't insult me and then ask me to get saved. It doesn't work that way. You have to love people with grace and show them that Jesus is truly a better way. And so I'm walking with, with Daniel Jr. and his uh, secretary, and I hear him. I hear him from a block away, and I think, oh, dear Jesus. He's going to associate me with them because he knows I'm a Christ follower, and he's Jewish, and, and these, these ladies are not going to represent real well. And so we go up around the corner, and this lady's on her soapbox, and she's, and she's just preaching to us on how we're going to go to hell if we don't change our ways. And like I'm a Christ follower, she has no idea what my ways are. I'm out walking. And, and, and so Daniel Jr., he looks up at the lady and says, hey, thank you so much for your presentation man, that's really good. Like, you're real fiery. And just starts accommodating her and starting complimenting her and start and grabbed And so he takes the literature and, oh, I'm going to read that literature. Thank you so much, ma'am. And she's just like reaching in his throat and pulling out his heart and saying, you're going to burn. And I think, oh, no. And we walked away and he said, Mark, you can kill people with kindness. And I think, I'm thinking, wait a second, there's a lesson here. The person who doesn't know Jesus is acting more like Jesus than the person who says they do know Jesus. In church, that's common grace. If we're not careful, the world starts to become the church, and the church starts to become the world because we're not geared to that. If we don't always make Jesus first, does that make sense to you? Listen, we start to own things in a real weird way, and if we're, if we're weird about that, then we start to think everybody's got to line up with us. It's my father-in-law saying, I'm not going to have a Catholic son-in-law. I'm not going to have Catholic grandbabies. It's, it's, it, I, there's, it's good to stand your ground, but at the same time, understand who God might be bringing in your life. 
Jonah didn't have the common grace. He wasn't working with the, 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 the rowers of the boat, the sailors, the, the professional fishermen. These guys were professionals, and a storm came up, and they totally knew this was a bad, bad storm. When storms come up in your life, the worst thing we can do is run and hide. The third thing, then, is we need to recognize or help the common man. By helping our common man. So first of all, we, 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 see, we see the common good. We recognize the common grace. Now we start to help the common man. And when, when Jonah is hiding out in the bottom of the boat and he's escaping, escapism, he's, he's, he's not, I'm not going to deal with it. I don't have time. I'm not going to have it. They can just die and go to hell. Hear me. This is what happens in churches when we decide who we will let in and who we won't let in, who will make part and who we won't make a part. And who, 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 who we think is going to be uh, one of us and who's not. And so we, we start to help the common man. And by helping the common man, what Jonah doesn't do, we start to learn. In fact, there's a story in, in Luke's gospel about Jesus. And a man comes up to him and says, hey, good master. And he says, right away, Jesus says, who do you call him good? There's nothing, no good but, but my father. He's the only good one out there. And so right away, he knows the man has a, a, a different agenda. He says, what's the greatest commandments? He said, well, you know, uh, love your God, the Father, with everything in you, your heart, soul, mind, and body, and then love your neighbors yourself. And the attorney tries to, give him a, tries to trick him and say that, but who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells him the story about the Good Samaritan. And, and you know the story, but I'll put it in 21st century lingo. So the first of all, a priest comes by, and a man, gets, a man gets robbed, and he gets beaten half to death, and he, he gets laid there. Everything's taken from him. He's laying on the street, and a priest comes by. Now, the Bible says in both Deuteronomy and in First Peter that we're of a royal priesthood. We're a chosen generation. We're a special treasure. So Christ's followers are priests. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So if that story is being told today, we're the priesthood, okay? So a Christ follower comes by, and he looks at this guy dying on the street who's been robbed of everything, and instead of going and helping him, the Christ follower goes across the street, and he, goes, and he walks away. It's like... Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Well, then Jesus tells the story. The next thing is a Levite. Now, the Levites were from the Levitical priesthood, so they were in charge of the temple. So it would be today, it would be like a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary or a key lay leader, a board member, an elder, a deacon. And so they're walking in the 21st century. They're walking by, and they see this person robbed, beaten, laying there, bleeding, bloody, doesn't have anything. And they, and they walk by, and they, and they, and they move by. They don't do anything. They cross the street. And so then there's a Samaritan. And the Samaritans in, in that day are social outcasts. Nobody wants to claim them. Nobody wants to be a part of them. Nobody understands them. They're, 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 they're considered just less than less. And Jesus says the, good, the Samaritan comes up, and he, he tends to the person's wounds. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to a, a local hotel. He, he checks him in. He pays for two nights. He pays for medical care. He pays for the, 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 the pharmacy, and then he says, hey, I'm going to be back through here in a couple, two or three days. If he has more bills, I'll come back and pay them as well. And then Jesus says to the person, who do you think is the good person? Well, the one who did that. And Jesus says this, you go and do likewise. No, he wasn't talking about go and be like the Christ follower. He wasn't even saying go and be like me. He was saying go and be like the Samaritan. 
our daughter-in-law, Emily, who sings on the worship team, and, and she's one of our worship leaders and one of our youth pastors, she has a, church, a shirt that both intimidates me and convicts me. And she says, love thy neighbor. And then, and then there's a listing of who our neighbors really are. And I'll give you a scenario that if this was to play out over, from, over the last 40 or 50 years, that the, the Christ follower is here, the pastor is here, we're all looking at this person who's suffering, who's this, less than, who's a social outcast, but the social outcast, or the person if the social outcast comes up. And in the 40s, the social outcast would have been uh, maybe someone who's divorced. In the 50s, a social outcast would have been maybe someone who's African-American or from a, another country. In the 60s, a social outcast would have been a hippie, a weed-smoking, rock-and-roll hippie with long hair. In the, in the 70s, that social outcast maybe been a, a lady who was an unwed mother or a, uh, uh, someone who had an abortion. In the 80s, that social outcast would have been maybe a Harley-riding Vietnam guy that came back just a little bit, like maybe he had little Agent Orange in him or something. In the 90s, that social outcast that would have helped would have been maybe an ex-con who maybe was a drug addict, but he just knew how somebody else felt, and maybe he could just help that person. Remember, the church is standing over here. There's somebody hurt and dying here, but it's the social outcast that continues to help that person. In the 21st century, maybe it is the illegal immigrant. <laughs> that we don't know how they got here. But they know how that person feels. Maybe it is somebody from the LBGTQ community that just understands the pain in that person's life while the church is over here standing still. Maybe it is the Mormon, the Mason, or the Muslim who reaches over while the church is standing here looking over their shoulders saying, man, why don't you do something about this guy because we're too busy. And if we're not careful, church, it's my opinion that it's the it's the hard-working class, church-going person that may become Jonah because instead of being empowered by God, they feel like they've been entitled by God. And they start naming who can make it to heaven and who can't make it to heaven. Who's going to go to hell and who's not going to go to hell? And who's going to get help and who's not going to get help? And Jesus says, you need to go and do likewise. We need to be the people. We need to be the church. Grace Church needs to be the church that no matter who it is that's laying there, spiritually ill, financially ill, physically ill, emotionally ill, relationally ill, that we can swoop in and say, listen, I'm here for you. I'm here with you. We're going to walk through this thing together because we don't need somebody else doing what God's empowered us to do. Come on back, worship team. Let me end with this. And I hope it challenges us today. We have to be the church. We have to be the body of Christ that says, hey, I will. I'm all in. I'm, going, I'm heading that way. Pastor, you mean you accept those people? Listen, I accept everybody that God accepts, and God says the gospel's for everybody. So I'm accepting them. Do, do we all need work? I'm the first one that will raise my hand. I need work. I need God to change me from the inside out, and I pray you do the same thing. There was a preacher that built a church in the late 1800s, 
and he built it out of cobblestone. So in my mind, I picture some of those churches up in Blowing Rock, in Old Town Blowing Rock there. When you pull in, there's a couple of really cool churches up there, and that's how I picture them. I don't know if that's how the churches really are or not, but he built a cobblestone church, stained glass windows. He, he made the pews himself, and he had, while he was building the church, the congregation was growing, so people would jump in and help. And on the day of dedication, they were, they were praying that the Lord would visit the temple and great things would happen. And, and so they were praying, and, and the light was shining through the stained glass and it was just beautiful and uh, somebody came up and said hey uh pastor the, you don't have any lights in here there's no, there's no lamps there's no gasoline lanterns there's no electricity there's nothing here that's a light to light the church up and so he rolled back a, a screen or a, a curtain and there was maybe 30 or 40 uh, lan lanterns that he started giving out and he said listen every time you come i want you to bring your lantern with you Every time you come, I want you to bring your light with you. And the more you come, the more light we'll have. And the more people that come, the brighter that it'll be. And then people will see the brightness from the inside of the church. It'll extend outside the church. I thought, how brilliant that is. That if we come, because we are the light of the world, because we are, we are Christ to so many people who don't know Jesus. The, the more often we come and the more that we come and the more we get filled with worship or God's word or fellowship or community, the more that we understand that this whole thing rests on our shoulders. That we take it to the highways and the hedges and the byways. That we aren't looking at these lights. Jesus is looking at these lights and every time you come with a passionate heart, every time you come with a compassionate, forgiving heart, every time you come saying, Lord, just use me to be whatever you want me to be in Christ Jesus. You, you help me, Father, that your light starts to shine just a little bit brighter. And Grace Church, I think that's what we need to be because if we're not careful, we become a prodigal Jonah that becomes so entitled, we miss the world around us and the fact that people still need Jesus today. Would you stand with me right where you're at? And just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes. Just for, just for a moment, just close your eyes. And if you're comfortable doing so, raise your hands. And, and I just want you to ask the Lord for a moment, have I been a prodigal Jonah? Have I been someone who God's called to do something? Have I been somebody that God wants to do something? Have I run from something that God wants to introduce in my life? Have I, am I scared to share and to spread and, to, and, to, and just to tell others? Am I I'm afraid to invite someone to church? Am I afraid to tell people that I'm a believer? Am I afraid to tell people I'm a Christ follower? Or am I afraid to know who my neighbor really is? Emily's shirt, love your neighbor as yourself, or who is my neighbor? It's the rich neighbor, it's the poor neighbor, it's the white neighbor, it's the black neighbor, it's the drug addict, and the list goes on and on and on. And you, you can imagine, and I want to tell you this, church, that if we love our neighbor, if we truly love our neighbor, if we absolutely show the love of Jesus Christ. And I want you to ask yourself, I want you to ask the Lord, I want you to be honest with the Holy Spirit. Lord, is there, is there people in my life that you've brought that I don't love? Is there someone in my life that, Lord, I need to, that I need to share the good news with? Is there, is, Lord, let me be that good Samaritan. Let me be the one who, Lord, would not walk past someone. And when you've told me, now you're, they're going to walk by people and the Lord's not going to tell you. But if you're walking by people, the Lord's telling you to minister to them. I want to be the church that ministers to the people. Let me pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, we declare every good and perfect word comes down from the Father of life from above. And Father, we pray today, Lord, that we would be the person, we would be the church, we would be the body, we would be the group that doesn't stand by the wayside, letting someone else do the work. Lord, help us, Father. Help us do the work, oh God. Help us, help us to be the church. Help us to equip the church. Help us to make ready the way so that we can see all people come to know the loving, saving grace of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship one more time. stand with what the word says if somebody is hurting walk by and pick them help them out right and that's like that song says you are already anointed to do that just like Jonah was anointed God called him to go help and he didn't want to do it he ran he said no there are too 
too much sin in that in that city. No, there's those people aren't worth it. I ain't wasting my time. I ain't gonna help them. But God said, go help them. And he ran from it. So maybe next week we find out what happens when we're obedient. I don't know if we're there yet, but there's a good ending to this story. So come back next week and hear it. Um, there's a photo wall. If you go out the doors, if you came in that that way, you need to go out this door. But if you come in that way, you see it. And there's all kinds of fun props, some crazy glasses, some boas, and some silly stuff. Get some group pictures of your family for Valentine's Day. And just get out there and make some funny faces and enjoy it. You know what, take a moment as you leave. Maybe there's somebody you're walking by that is here today that you have never met, that you've never said hello to. As you walk out the door, just say good morning or good afternoon right now. Hey, it was great to, to be with you today at church. Take a moment and just love each other. Wouldn't that be so cool? Because we don't want to be the person that just steps over here when maybe someone you're walking by today as you leave those doors they're hurting and said, not one person spoke to me today. Wow, wouldn't that be so sad? So make sure that's not, we're not those Christian people over here. Make sure we're that person running by, that person that just wants to say, have a blessed day, even if you don't know their name. Walk by and say, hey, have a great day. It's great to worship with you today. Just like overpower one another with love, because that's what God is, and it's Valentine's Day week. So get your pictures and put at Grace Church and so we can put them on our, on our Facebook and so we can share your cute faces. So let me just pray for you. Father, we love you and we thank you for each person here today and listening online. We just pray, Lord, that, that each and every one of us would be that person that doesn't walk away from somebody hurting, but we would be the person that runs to somebody and says, how can I help you? How can I help you? Let us be that person that, that does that. So, Lord, we just thank you for each person. I pray blessings over their lives spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally. Whatever they're going through, Lord, you be the great defender in their life today. We bless you and we love you. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. We love you all so much. Be blessed and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.